0: Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, our, our text this morning is one, and if you haven't noticed, I've been doing sermons that uh, on passages that I've never preached on before and that hardly ever get preached on and that's because it's summertime and uh, so if I shank it, it does minimal damage, you know, and and, uh, the text that we have this morning is particularly difficult and it may seem like it's torn bleeding out of context, but the reality is as it's presented to us in the Gospel of Luke it feels out of context Jesus is in Jerusalem he's heading to the cross he's going to go through his own personal baptism for our salvation and this is then what he says to the denominational leadership and to his disciples I have come to set the world on fire and I wish it were already burning I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished do you think that I've come to bring peace on earth no I come to divide people against each other from now on families will be split apart three in favor of me and two against two in favor and three against Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, when you see the clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower. And you're right. When the south wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher. And it is. You fools. You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. Why can't you decide for yourselves what is right? And God added his understanding to this hearing of his word. Not quite this sweet Jesus, meek and mild type passage that we are accustomed to. Not a feel-good passage, not a passage that is easy for us to reconcile with the, re- with the rest of our understanding of who Jesus is. Lest we reduce Jesus to something that he's not, lest we reduce him to a wimp, lest we reduce him to something that is manageable in our own way of thinking. Well, it's getting to be late August, and growing up in Southern California, I always looked for September and October because the Santa Ana winds would start blowing in off the desert. And in Riverside, that meant it would blow out the smog, clear, clean air, and it was wonderful. Those winds would kick up 30, 40, 50 miles an hour and they would put an aroma in the air and as a kid i loved it i had a little mg convertible and i would always go out and drive around during those winds loved it but then all the whack jobs come out also during the fall windy season the hot dry wind which in palestine they call the sirocco winds here they in california they call them the santa ana winds or some say Santana, meaning devil winds, and, and it's at that time arsonists come out. And I, you know, we, we have these fires in California every single year. And, and these evil people go out. And I, I really think that there's a competition. Who can burn up the most acreage? So when I went to school in Santa Barbara, Remember the hills over Santa Barbara lit up with fire, and then in, in Ventura, during my ministry in Ventura, the hills close to the house were also lit up with fire, and coyotes were down in our streets. My kids, don't go outside. My son wanted to go out anyway, see a coyote, and and fire does so much damage. It's so destructive. But Jesus says, I've come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were burning now. What is he speaking of? Not too long ago on my morning walk, I walked down to the, to the west, and then I turn and I walk a long half mile to the east, and there was Venus standing bright in the morning And um, the the sun was glowing below, but Venus was bright and and full. It wasn't in a crescent, because I went home and checked my binoculars. It It was a full Venus. Beautiful, bright. And it reminded me of a Babylonian myth that's captured and repeated in the book of Isaiah. It says, O Halal, which is their name for that star, Son of the morning, how are you risen up? How is it you're so bright and so beautiful? How is it that you ascend to the heavens? And oh, how you are cast down. Halel. Hebrew word that is now translated as Lucifer. One of those words for Satan, for the devil. And the way that mythology, mythological image went, we have Halel, or Lucifer, rising up, trying to be like God. But then the sun comes up and the true God casts it down. So when enough light is in the sky, of course, Venus disappears and you can't see it again until the next morning. But that became a way of understanding a, the, the presence of the devil in this world. The harsh reality of evil in our world. And and so God's people, redeemed by, by the Lord, given a land, Abraham was given a land, and then the people were off in, in Egypt, and then came back, and they had the Can- Canaanite campaign, and they were hauled off to Babylon, and they had all these hardships, but the people of God at different times had to stand in the presence of the power of this world. So Moses, the stammerer, stutterer, stands before Pharaoh. And he says, let let them go. Free them. Esther goes into the household of the king. And God says, for such a time as this, you have to be in the presence as a as a little beautiful little Jewish girl you got to be with the pagans and make a difference nehemiah then goes and stands before artaxerxes and he says let me go i need to rebuild that wall around jerusalem let me go so he stands there knowing that the king of babylon could destroy him in a moment God's people are called upon to stand in the face of that which is is representative of the power of evil in our world. You don't hear me talking like this very much. But Jesus didn't talk like that very much either. But there's a reality that must be affirmed as we live in this world and as we encounter the harsh truth that evil is. So Amos the prophet is dealing with some very bad a king and queen that are very bad, Ahab and Jezebel. And and he calls upon God to to take care of this problem we've got evil going on over our nation calls upon God and God finally says okay I'm going to judge the people I'm going to judge them with pestilence and Amos says oh no Lord please don't they are so small Israel is so small so it says God repents he doesn't do it but then he comes back and says I'm going to judge with fire And Amos cries out to God, Oh no, Lord, please don't. Israel is so small. And God repents again. And then he says, This is the judgment that I will send. I will put a plumb line in their midst. I will put a standard. I will put truth amongst them. They will see their own evil and their crookedness by the clarity and purity of the presence of the plumb line of Christ. The one who came and and gave himself. And so it is that God's people, as, as Jesus is here calling upon them, must stand for truth stand on the side that is right. One of the reasons we have our Issues Hour together is so so that we might derive and modify our thinking, not just according to whatever is coming off over MSNBC or, or Fox News, whatever it is, the source of our information, but that we might filter everything that's happening in our world through the filters of our faith that we might understand that there's nothing new about what's going on today. And so the division that Jesus speaks of in this is that if we stand as sometimes we must stand in large settings and and small settings for truth, how can it not divide? Remember in high school, so many... So many kids, I was involved in Young Life, and we'd go off to summer camp or winter camp, and kids would have these wonderful, tear-filled conversions. And oh, I loved it. And when I was a youth minister in California, i baptized them in Lake Mears. So wonderful, so fun, until they got home. Some of those kids had parents who had wanted nothing to do with church thought they were religious fanatics because they had come to an articulate excited moment in which they they knew that their Redeemer lived and and that Jesus came into their hearts as their Lord and Savior and that created division in their household on more than one occasion I have done some private baptisms for these kids so if we have a sense of the power of God having come in and standing against the powers of Lucifer, how can there not be division? In the early 30s, three pastors, Karl Barth, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and Martin Niemoller initiated what was called the confessing church They stood up against the state church of Germany against the reformed church of Germany because hundreds of pastors in order to maintain their ministry were 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 admitting to the reign of Hitler Even to affirming the reality that somehow the Reich was righteous from their pulpits. And so those three men stood up and and made declaration. Dietrich Bonhoeffer lost his life. Karl Barth and Martin Niemoller lived on. Barth who was one of the greatest reformed theologians of the 20th century and Martin Nier- who was one of the great pastors. And even after the fact, he looked back and did some work in his own heart and life because he looked back and he saw that he himself in his own way was complicit in all of this. That he had some guilt to bear. He's reminded of of the fact that there are none of us who are righteous. No, not one. None of us who get out of this with our skin. All of us stand before our God with with some conviction. So, Nea in a moment of self-reflection, wrote these words that are very familiar to you. First, they, meaning the the SS, the Nazis, or whomever, came for the communists. And I did not speak out because I was not a communist. Then they came for the socialists. And I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. And I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. And I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak out for me. So there are times when we must stand. And it's a hard time. This is what Jesus refers to when he says, I wish that refiner's fire were here now. Now, some interpret this to be the destructive fire. But it's a refiner's fire. It's a fire that purifies rather than destroys. You know how it is if you have to cut something out of your leg or your arm or take a a splinter out of your hand. You take a a match and you heat up a needle or a pin to purify it before you dig in there and get that splinter out fire destroys, but it also purifies. The fire of which Jesus speaks is the refiner's fire. It's the purifying fire. And and that's how we are to view our times of hardship and difficulty. It's the Lord doing what he will to purify us. He doesn't send a destroying fire. And I I have to say, I'm always, I'm always hurt when I hear of people coming and saying about their church where they were just felt to feel so guilty and so afraid and so concerned about this destroying fire of God, purifying fire, to what end? God purifies us for what, pers- what purpose? Why is it we go through these hard times? Why is it that we walk through these, these exceedingly difficult, frightful moments in our life? I heard a story about a gold miner in San Francisco. And he was using some of his gold to, this may shock you, drink. At a bar in San Francisco. <laughs> and in so doing, he happened to sit next to a guy who was a refiner. So, in the gold rush time of California, there were all kinds of gold miners and others who made money off those gold miners. And they would, in this case, he did it by refining. And so they'd had plenty, more than enough. A gold miner commented to the refiner, he says well wh- where's your outfit where do you where do you work I got some gold I'd like to get it refined and he gave him the address and so it was a little a little storefront s- someplace there in San Francisco and so he agreed that he would go and, and see him and he, he went and gave him his bag of gold and, and the refiner went to work And then he stopped poured out the gold into a mold and let it dry and finally the gold miner asked him how do you know when it's refined how do you know when it's ready he said when I can see my face in it then I know it's pure When the Lord sends his refining fire into our lives and our hearts, when he can see the face of his son in our lives, then he's done. Then he's ready to let us move on and live this life for him. Will you bow with me in prayer? Lord, look at us and see your face. See the face of your Son. And and when we go through these fires, when we stand for truth, when we, we must decide, may you be glorified. May you have your way. May we be changed according to your will, not our own. We pray in the name of your Son, our Savior, who went through a harsh baptism of fire for us. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.